Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, my name is uh, Noah. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Harvest Church, and I get the opportunity to share today's message. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be good. You know, today I really hope to kind of correctly communicate what I feel like the Lord laid on my heart. And um, before I do that, I kind of just wanted to give you a little bit of review of where we've been and where we're going. We've been preaching on this series called DNA. And to kind of sum it up, it's been a series about our core values as a church. So what we see as, as the priority and the main things that makes Grace Harvest Church what Grace Harvest Church is, our DNA. Uh, Pastor Doug, last week, um, he talked about a people-reaching church. And it, it, and it kind of just to summarize that is, he says this, if we follow Jesus, we're going to learn to fish for people. The mission of Jesus when he came to earth was to reach people, restore people, and make them right with God. It took his death and resurrection to accomplish this. He showed us what we, what we would be, or that we would be compelled to do as well. Today we're going to tackle another core value, or another DNA of Grace Harvest Church. We're going to talk about how Grace Harvest Church, we strive to be an authentic church. An authentic church. Um, it's probably one of the things that people will say almost at the get-go when I encounter, or when they know that I'm at, I work at the church or I'm a part of Grace Harvest Church. Um, just by even simple things that people say, you're real, right? Or, or even be like, oh yeah, you can come to the church. You don't even have to have church clothes, you know? <laughs> That's like a major thing. And so today we're going to dive into our passion, you know, as a church and as a community of why authenticity is this important part of our DNA, um, so you guys want just want to pray with me, and then we'll get right into the message. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your presence, Lord, in this place, God. That Jesus, Lord, that you're on the move in the lives of people, God. And that, Lord, we would together, Lord, strive and even pursue, Lord, you, Jesus, to look more like you. To change our families and workplaces and, Lord, the city. May your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So today we're going to talk about um, authenticity. And the key passage we're going to preach out of is Luke 19. Uh, we're going to have it up on the screens, but also if you have a paper Bible. I love paper Bibles. You can use that. Um, you can use your phone and follow along. And um, we're going to talk about this encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus. My favorite way to even read scripture and to even communicate scripture is to look at a story like this story and begin to extract, extract things out of it and begin to apply it to your life. Because oftentimes when you read scripture, sometimes the story just seems the story. But you don't know. You're thousands of years removed from cultural, context, or cultural context. You don't even know 
even some of the words they used, why it held value or an importance. And as you begin to dive into scripture, the story that was maybe once powerful becomes even more powerful the more you understand. So I love reading scripture and I love extracting stories and then yet applying it to our lives. So that's what we're going to do today. And the passage is Luke 19, Jesus Zacchaeus. So the first thing I want to do is I'm going to kind of read through that passage. You can follow along. And then we're going to take piece by piece and kind of analyze the story. So it says this, Luke 19, verse 1, he, him being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come, wait, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. The crowd grumbled. He, being Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We read through this, this story, but being so far removed, sometimes we don't understand a few aspects about who Zacchaeus was, why were people angry, why was this, this like radical turn in this repentance so powerful, and why was Jesus, that response to him, so like excited about his turning. Well, let's just go back into verse 1. Um, Jesus was passing through Jericho, which was the city, on his way to Jerusalem. If you kind of look at the path, um, you can take that path in that Middle Eastern time, but it wasn't actually necessary. It was kind of an odd path for Jesus to take. And so scholars and commentaries say that Jesus was actually looking for Zacchaeus. So he either knew Zacchaeus, knew his reputation, and felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to seek this man out, or it was just miraculous. And he's like, I'm going to go into Jericho, and there is going to be a man, and I need to talk to him. So Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. And what we can always pull out of that is God is always looking for lost people. And he will always go out of the way for you. Sometimes we think, you know, it's just like, it's just like, man, I feel like God's going out of the way for me. It's just like, he's all about going out of the way for you. And we see Jesus do this over and over throughout the entirety of scripture is Jesus goes out of his way for one person. And I think for us to even be reminded where it's just like, Jesus went out of his way for you. Amen. And then us being Jesus followers, it's this thing where it's just like in our day-to-day -day life, to be compelled and to be even reminded to not get stuck in our ways and sometimes to go out of way for people. 
to take that to take that harder path with someone to maybe even sacrifice a little bit of time or energy or resources that everything sometimes doesn't sit in your path but sometimes it just you know like the lord just works things and sometimes you got to go out of the way the next thing um i'm kind of walking keep down um verse two it talks about and behold there is a man named zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and was rich so we just read that, but it doesn't have any, like, reaction in, in us. Me, and I think all of us maybe don't like taxes to one degree or the next. It's about everybody that's ever lived. Um, <laughs> but when we see chief tax, to, tax collector was really rich, we don't have this reaction that the Jewish people at the time would have toward this person. We don't have that. We just read it, and we're like, okay, he was a tax man, and he was really wealthy. What's the big deal? But when you begin to actually understand culturally where it was coming from, it was a huge deal to be a tax collector. The chief tax collector, he was hated amongst the Jewish people. Not just like casually disliked, like despised, it says in in other versions. He was a despised man amongst the Jewish people. Because tax collectors made profit from anything extra they could get from people. Meaning that they would come into your house and ask you for taxes, and then they would kind of pressure you a little bit to get a little bit more out of you. And that, and that extra that they would get out would be their cut that they would have on the top. So they would get extra money out of it. It's like, you know, like when the mob walks in the movies, you know, and it's just like, it would be terrible if this place burned down, you know? <laughs> Same type of thing. And so you have this, this chief tax collector kind of like pressuring people in this community to get a little extra off the top cash-wise. This man was a chief-ranking tax collector, meaning he was good at what he did. So he was good. So he was a chief tax collector, but also was rich, and so his methods were working. And so everyone in this area knew this guy. It's just like, every year this guy comes around, takes taxes out, but then takes a little more hated in the community now it even gets even deeper at the time the government at the time wasn't like a local jewish community it wasn't the romans rome had come in and invaded the entire area and so it was under roman rule and under roman law the romans would always be taxing jewish people aggressively to kind of keep them subdued now Zacchaeus wasn't a Roman. He was Jewish. And so now it even deepens what the hate is. Now it shows that he wasn't only a tax collector that was kind of shaking people down for money, but he was also a betrayer of his own people. And so it was even at a deeper level. And Rome would get these tax collectors and force them into the community. And the community would be so angry at them and ostracize them as they begin to abuse their own people by taking money from them for Rome, but also money off the top. He was considered a traitor, and he was good at it. He was rich because he stole much from his own people. Now, it's even diving a little deeper. You're beginning to understand why people hated Zacchaeus in the area. Dive in a little deeper. 
Biblical names um, really held a lot of importance. Currently, we don't really have uh, much of that importance tied to our name. You may be sitting here and be like, I don't even know the meaning of my name. But in biblical times, a lot of times they were named and actually knew or understood the meaning behind it. You know, it's, you know something ironic? The meaning behind Zacchaeus' name is pure <laughs> or innocent one. <laughs> so you would have this guy who was doing all these horrible things, and they would know his name and be like, ah, Zacchaeus, the pure and innocent one. And the irony continues, and instead of him being like this large man that was trying to break down your door and get for taxes, he was small, he, but intimidating. <laughs> and he was this short guy, intimidating, named Pier One, and he was shaking you down for extra money. This is the Zacchaeus that we see in this story. This is Zacchaeus that was hated in his community. And this is the Zacchaeus that Jesus went out of his way for. Seeking Jesus, verse 3 and 4. It says this, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So Jesus was moving in or coming and walking through Jericho. And you would hear about this hubbub as like a person. Like Jesus being a rabbi and in that itself, you would create a commotion wherever you go. The rabbis were about some of the highest in society. It was the thing that actually most Jewish people sought to do right from the get-go from being a child. And then if you were good enough at learning Torah and learning these things, you would actually become a rabbi. And Jesus was a rabbi, but also was very, very special because his reputation began to move about. This is in Luke 19, so it's even further in in a lot of Jesus' ministry. So when he was moving places, you would hear about his stories. Be like, Jesus, he raised that guy from the dead. Did you hear that? Jesus, he cast the demons out of that guy. Did you hear that? Jesus, man, that, he touched this guy. That His eyes, he couldn't see. He was blind, and man, his eyes opened. And Jesus was this person that was moving through the Middle East at this time, and there was always commotion around him. So he was entering in Jericho, and we see Zacchaeus be like, oh, I got to see this guy. I have to. Seeking Jesus. So Zacchaeus was genuinely captivated by Jesus. He was interested, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Let's continue on down the passage. So it says this. And he's seeking to see who Jesus was, but not on account of the crowd. He could not see because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. I want you to even see Zacchaeus's, even his actions and stuff, really display this act of almost desperation to see Jesus. Think about this hated man through his entire community going into the middle of a crowd. Imagine even the whispers that would be around him or guys even being like, should we just beat this guy up right here? And just think of even the hostility that would be around him. But even then, he's like, I got to see Jesus. I have to see this. Like something instinctually, something wanted to have an encounter with God. And I think that even us, 
regardless of how far away we can be from God, sometimes there's something instinctual. Where there's something like, I need to get back into communication with the Father. I need to encounter God. I don't care what it takes. I don't even care sometimes if I'm messed up or broken. I need to have an encounter with Jesus. He was rich, and he was Jewish too. And so when even they add little things in this, this story, it says he ran on ahead. So he was rich, and so he didn't come with an entourage of people. He went by himself into a crowd that was hated, and then he says he ran on ahead. This is to illustrate that we, don't, we think, oh yeah, just jogging ahead and climbing a tree. No, no. You're Jewish. You're covered in fabric and robes. He's literally like picking up this thing, and Jewish men didn't run. It's like a thing. Jewish men, it would be undignified to run. And so now he is out of desperation, out of wanting to see Jesus, is literally, think about it, picking up all this clothing and you'd have to run like that. You know you do. You know you do. And running ahead and think about the crowds like, what the heck is wrong with Zacchaeus? And then he even deepens. This rich man, probably one of the richest in the area, climbs a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. This type of desperation sometimes inspires me. Because sometimes it's like, I don't even know what Zacchaeus even fully knew what he was doing. But there was something about Jesus that it didn't matter if he had to act undignified It didn't matter that he even had to assess his status at the time. I mean, like, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, maybe Jesus should come to me. No, he ran. He made himself undignified. He went to a dangerous area with crowded people. This type of desperation to see Jesus should always inspire us. I need and you need to have a real, authentic encounter with God. Nothing will get in the way. And Jesus really just wants to meet you where you're at. This is kind of the first IG understanding of authenticity. Is how Zacchaeus behaved in that moment was authentic. And I feel like sometimes we miss that when we come into a place like this. And and we're just like, oh yeah, I'm just doing the church thing. Or maybe you don't even want to go to church a lot of times because you feel too bad because you sinned or messed up or, you know, whatever. And I see people held back all the time from having an encounter with God from a thousand different things. But the most authentic and the most beautiful thing you, want, you can do, and the thing that God always wants is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Let's kind of keep going on down the line. A tax collector's dinner. Verse 5 through 7. And it says this, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I'm going to go to the next verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus was walking through town. Crowd, commotion, Zacchaeus had run ahead. 
And Jesus finally gets to the spot. And he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And he goes, go into your house for dinner tonight. <laughs> Everybody's around. Everybody's pulling at Jesus, asking Jesus for favors. And he stops and he points at this guy in the tree. And he goes, I'm going to dinner at your house today. Jesus arrives to the spot, the tax collector, and asks him to go to his house. I must stay at your house today. Jesus finally found the person where he felt compelled that I have to have an encounter with Zacchaeus today. He calls him by his name, which is always really, really powerful. When someone says your name, think about even the probably his name when it was spoken around the community was always tied with probably dread, right? Ugh, Zacchaeus is here. Ugh, Zacchaeus is asking for taxes. Ugh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. And what we see is Jesus comes up, and maybe he knew him from just his reputation. But when Jesus said it, there was something that was different because of how Zacchaeus acted. He looks at me and goes, Zacchaeus, pure one. Innocent one, with this happiness or this glee or this excitement for what's to happen. Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. <laughs> and Zacchaeus responded by hurrying down as quickly as he could. Because to have a rabbi in his house, man, a miracle occurred. The Christ wants to eat dinner with me. Now, you see that dinner kind of happens in between verses 7 and 8. This is where we kind of read past this, and we don't really understand that. At verse 6, he received him joyfully. They went to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. So Jesus and Zacchaeus are at dinner having dinner and talking about whatever. Okay, Then we see verse 7. Just jumps right into it. And when they saw it, meaning the crowd of people that probably believed or thought that they deserved time with Jesus, grumbled. And they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. In Jewish culture, even the Jewish context, we sometimes don't understand the gravity of what it was. If you were Jewish and there was even a Gentile, you were not even supposed to go into their house or you'd be considered unclean. You were not supposed to associate with sinners because it would literally make you unclean. And so when Jesus would do these really bold and really outrageous moves, it was like people were just shocked and they grumbled. I can't believe he went to Zacchaeus' house. Do you know how much money that guy stole from me last year? Do you know what he did to this person and this person and this person? Do you know what pain he caused in this community? And this rabbi, Jesus, is taking his time out of his day to go meet with him? You understand why they grumbled. They were angry at what had happened. Now, the dinner. It's not recorded, obviously, as you see in the passage. They're probably eating hummus. Amen. <laughs> And they were talking about something. But all we know is we see what happened after the conversation. That's all we see. 
we see the effect of that conversation. But the dinner happened between 7 and 8, and we see the outcome in verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, so this is after the dinner, this is after people grumbled, and he stands up, because imagine, they're sitting at this low table, and they're sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce. I don't know the technical term. <laughs> Around the table, and he stands up. And something had changed in Zacchaeus. Something. And he, says, and he says this, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods, my riches, my wealth, I give to the poor. And if, anything, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it for Fold. At the time, it was actually Jewish custom to, if you defrauded someone, to, re- to refund it double. He did fourfold. So a radical change in this person. Zacchaeus was a changed man. He was transformed and changed by his encounter with Jesus. Something happened in that conversation where he was like, oh my goodness, I am changed. Remember the meaning of the man of his name, Zacchaeus? Innocent, pure one. In that moment, he began to live up to his name. Where he, he, before, he was living in sin and a slave to it. And then Jesus came along and salvation entered that house. I believe that the Zacchaeus we see at the beginning of the story is the unauthentic version of himself. It's the cheap, sinful knockoff of who Zacchaeus was called to be. That ain't him. That's not who he was destined or even was supposed to be. He was a slave to sin. It was a cheap knockoff. It was a fake of who Zacchaeus was actually called to be. And when Jesus encountered him, something began to change in him. And the, the authentic version of Zacchaeus began to be pulled to the surface. And instantly, something out of him began to happen. I'm going to give half of my stuff away. A person that was hoarding riches. A person that was a robber, essentially. I'm going to give back everything fourfold. What is this response? Is because... He had an, a real encounter with God. And then when you have a real encounter with God, man, I believe you become the authentic version of who you are and you begin to act and behave how you were supposed to be and how you're designed and what you're purposed and called to do. Sin is the twister of who we are, but Jesus is the savior from that. The most authentic version of yourself comes from a relationship with Jesus. You can't get around it. He walks with you and and frees you from sin so that you can truly walk out who you are and what you're called to do. It's beautiful. It's radical. It's salvation. It's a change. Go to the next one, verse 9. It says... And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Mm -hmm. 
When you look at the word authentic, it says, it's like this, the definition is, it's of undisputed origin. Genuine. Meaning is when something is authentic, it's from an undisputed origin. You understood exactly where it came from. It's not made from one place and then sold from another, but you understand that it came from this place and now is here. When we look at scripture, we understand that we are brought into existence from God. You want to be authentic? You need to be reminded into, in, be, or reminded into even live in an authentic version, meaning this, you need to remember your undisputed origin. Sin is the fake, sin is the false, sin is the enemy, the twister, the perverter. But Jesus, it is the real deal. It is authentic, and it draws out something out of you. It reminds you, when you have encountered Jesus, your undisputed origin, that you are from him and sustained by him. In Colossians 1, I think about it a lot. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things in him. In, in him, all things are held together. To be authentic and to follow Jesus, you remember your origin story. But then you also begin to remember who you are and what you're called to do. And the more you walk with Jesus, the more fullness of your calling and your destiny and the more authentic you become. Man. There's nothing like being real, right? To be authentic, to follow Jesus, your origin story, man. In him, there's truth and realness. In him, there's calling and purpose. You begin to do what you were made to do. My hope and our hope as a staff here and and as a community is that that this church and this community is to walk with you and to even pursue Jesus together, that all of us can find the most authentic versions of who we are. That all of us would have this encounter with Jesus, would not be twisted up by sin, and we would even be reminded of who we came from, Jesus, and now what we're supposed to do. Zacchaeus, at the essence of who he was, began to show his true colors after he had a salvation experience. He began to live and even begin to act how he was designed to be before sin corrupted him. He was a giver. He wasn't a hoarder. He was someone that wanted to change his community. I'm going to give half of my stuff just to the poor. A salvation experience can change everything. And it brings out the most authentic version of who you were supposed to be. It redeems your story even. Think of what even happened in the days to follow behind Zacchaeus' change. This community that hated him, now he's doing these things to redeem his story. An encounter with Jesus can redeem your story. Let's stand. I would just really encourage you that if you're even wrestling with like 
I think sometimes we even sometimes wrestle with who we are, or we don't want to be fake, or sometimes we don't even want to like put on a mask, or there's a lot of phrases we use. If you want to be authentic, and you feel like you're like, man, I, I was made for more. That I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but I keep missing it. I feel like I have a journey or, or a calling I'm supposed to do, but I keep missing it. I'm just going to tell you, the person that can fulfill that is Jesus. When you begin to walk with him in his presence, you begin to be really you. You stop being twisted up by sin and you begin to be the authentic version that I sometimes think that we remember who we are. We remember who we are in him. And we begin to walk out this life with Jesus, not in sin and suffering and chained up, but in freedom and authenticity. And we begin to do what we were designed to do. That you in this room, you have a calling and a purpose and a destiny that only you can fulfill. No one's gonna do it for you. You only got one life to live. And the person that can fulfill that is Jesus. And when you walk with him and move with this Holy Spirit, wow, I don't even know what can happen. But I know the moment salvation happens, the moment you reach for Jesus, the moment you pursue him, the moment you begin to move with the Holy Spirit, a community can change, a family can change. Your life is this activated. Jesus is on the move. If anything from today, even if it's worship or my time speaking, um, if you want to learn more about Jesus, if you want even resources, you want to recommit your life to Jesus, we'll have people in this back corner over here and they'd love to talk and pray with you. But I encourage you, live your authentic self. Get close to Jesus. Get closer than you've ever been. Follow the Holy Spirit and get ready for the most amazing experience of your life. Thank you guys for coming today. Very much appreciate you. Love you, and we'll see you next week.